all of a sudden. Hey everyone, welcome to episode three. We have a very special episode. This is Oliver Sutton. Um, we have a very special guest. Um, I had mentioned him briefly in episode two, and I would like to introduce rapper one from episode two. <laughs> yeah. yeah you've, you've nah, I'm just me. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I did just expose you now. I'm sorry, rapper two. Um, uh, but yeah. Yeah, you're actually not a rapper. Um, you are a professional at your uh, in your field, and I'm looking at my phone because um, this is a lot. Uh, you've done a lot, so let me introduce you, and then we'll get into it. Um, you are currently an instructor of medicine at Harvard Medical School. Um, prior to that, you were an instructor of investigation. That sounds suspect, but we'll get into it. Um, and, and those then, are, not to, sorry to interrupt. Those are like both my current title. So oh, like, you have two, you have two jobs. So those are, I'm so both of need, those things. That, they need to that pay makes you, it even more suspect. They need to pay you more because if you need two <laughs> jobs and you graduated from Harvard, something's wrong. Um, then It's you the know, same job. It's one thing. It's, it's very... One, it's very confusing. You're yeah. just trying. Okay, so you're just trying to flex. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you graduated from Harvard University, uh, Doctor of Philosophy, PhD, Biostatistics. Uh, you have two other degrees. So, just so you know, we're going to feel very uh, inept in this episode because Nick and I barely have one, um, and it doesn't even count. Nobody recognizes it. It does Second not. Count. It does not count. The second degree is Harvard University Masters of Arts um, in Biostatistics as well. Brown University, uh, Bachelors of Science in Applied Mathematics, Biology with Honors, Magna Cum Laude, which in French uh, means number one. I think in Spanish it means you came in number two. Um, I'm pretty sure that that's what that means. Um, welcome. Tanayot Tawitai. Did I say that right? I fucked it. Uh, I would yeah. I would say that's like that's like 80%. Most people get like 20%. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. it's good. Well, welcome, Doctor. Um super excited to have you. You're actually making history today. Uh, not only are you our first guest, but you're the first doctor on our um on our podcast. <laughs> and I would I would probably say that after this episode no other doctor is going to want to jump on so we're going to take advantage and hopefully not uh not ruin this um but welcome to the to the episode welcome to oliver Sutton. um and i guess we should also mention that you are uh nick's cousin is that correct yeah that is correct thank you <laughs> which which i'm honestly i'm and no offense here but when he told me he had a doctor in the family uh, I was like, there's no way that in the same lineage as Nick, there's a doctor. And no, that's not a, no offense to his lineage, right? Then he said he had a firefighter. And then I was like, okay, something's up because I know Nick. I mean, the kid can't even breathe through his nose correctly. Um, he's, he's a mouth breather. But, but no offense. But no offense. But no, no offense. offense. <laughs> no offense. I'm saying this with, with a lot of respect. But what I realized, doctor, is that He's actually the outlier. You wouldn't know this, what that means, because we're both educated. 
Nick, look it up. He's actually the outlier, and his lineage. Hold on, Malcolm Gladwell, player. Malcolm Gladwell, outliers. I read the book. Okay, well, look, I know that you've been to Borders. I get it. You hang out. <laughs> you look at you. That's look. so funny that you said Borders because Borders was the bookstore next to the gelato shop my dad owned. It was. There it Out is. of all the bookstores, you say Borders. You could have said Barnes and Nobles, but you said Borders. Borders. Well, Old school. But yes, so um, I figured that out, and it's good. Glad to have you here. Um, why don't we kick it off with just understanding what it is that you do at your current role and what a biostatistician, right? Is Am I saying that right? Biostatistician. Biostatistician. Um, yeah. I, was, I knew that. I was just That's how you say that. it. Biostatistician. Uh, biostatistician. Um, okay. Because in the last episode, I... I, I took a guess and I don't think I was right. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about what, what you do and what it is that your field in general entails. Yeah, so you were actually like spot on with like one example that you, the example that you had given, which was what's the probability someone's gonna get syphilis is actually like something that people in my field could answer. And that's like a really, it was like a really good example also because it has to do with like how people interact with each other, like in networks and stuff. It has to do with like risk of disease. So it's like actually like a good example. But I think the reason why people with my background are like more in the news today is because of like COVID um, and people who study how infectious diseases spread and how to identify good treatments. But let me, let me back up. So, um, I, so my position, the titles are very, very misleading. Like one of them is instructor in medicine at Harvard. I, I'm not an instructor. Like I don't, I'm not actually like lecturing or like teaching any classes right now. It's just like the rank that they're given. So there's like in the fact, so like I'm a member of like Harvard Medical School's faculty um, and it goes from like professor, associate professor, assistant professor, and then at the very, very bottom is instructor, which is where I am. Um, and but so it's just don't, like my Don't discredit title. yourself. You just joined. You just graduated. I just so. joined. Yeah, I just started uh, in August um, and I finished my PhD exactly. in June. Um, and so my other title, instructor of investigation at uh, Massachusetts General Hospital. So basically... That's a little more accurate, though also a bit mysterious. So I'm a biostatistician, which means that I work in statistics for health and medicine. And so really like what it comes down to is a lot of the times you're trying to identify causes and effects, but you need to figure out how to use math to figure out what those causes and effects are. So for example, if someone gets a treatment for something in the hospital, so like, for example, if someone has COVID and you're trying to find out, oh, is remdesivir good or bad? Like someone had to figure out how to design a study to conclude that a drug like remdesivir or dexamethasone um, helps people with uh, COVID. So mm -hmm. it's, Part of the job for like what some people work on is like clinical trials. So they're trying to design studies, figure out how to analyze the data 
um, to identify like what medications are effective, which ones are dangerous and that kind of stuff. Um, there's also like broader questions you can try to answer. So like, what are the effects of, you know, you guys are in, or um, Carlos, you're in California at least, like, you know, the effect of like PM 2.5 on people's health, that's like a huge area of research in biostatistics. Um, the thing that I work on specifically mostly has to do with observational studies. So trying to learn from uh, electronic health records, which treatments are good and bad. Because when people are, when the people go to the hospital, when people see their doctor, you're not necessarily enrolled in a clinical trial in like the formal sense, but you're receiving some treatment. Your doctor is deciding something about right. your treatment and it's not yeah. random, right? The whole point of like a clinical trial is like, I can randomly assign you to the treatment or the placebo and then I can see did the people on treatment actually do better and it's random, right? Like it's, there's no bias there um, with- uh, But the doctor decides that? So, so yeah, I'm like all over the place. So in a clinical trial, the doctor doesn't okay. know which one they're giving you. They just know like mm. someone else coordinating the study. This is what's called like a double blinded trial yep. where the doctor mm. and the patient, they don't know if they're receiving the active treatment or the placebo. Um, so it's random. So they're not gonna be like, you know, if the doctor thinks that, oh, I think this treatment is going to be really, really good for my patient, um, that could bias the results if they have these like preconceived notions about whether or not they think the medication is going to be effective. So that's why you have to have like double blindedness in like these randomized mm. trials. Yeah. Um, so that's like a big way. That's like how a lot of medications get approved. But I work in the field like in an area of biostatistics or biostats where doctors know what treatment they're giving you and the patient knows what treatment they're getting, but we still want to learn like what's good and what's bad. Got it. So there's a lot of like complicated biases that you have to control for in that setting. Got it. So are you yeah. saying that in that, in that first scenario you explained, are you saying we're basically guinea pigs when we get, a medicine without even really knowing it, but the intent is good. Like the doctor doesn't know, the patient doesn't know, someone knows, right? The Wizard of Oz knows, yeah. whoever knows. Um, yeah. But I mean, is that, has that actually produced good results or are we still trying to figure out if that's a, a, a valuable way to go about treating patients and their medicines and all that stuff? Yeah, so in some, like in many ways, people are definitely like guinea pigs. Like right now, um, there are a lot of vaccine trials happening for like to prevent people from catching coronavirus. And mm -hmm. some proportion of the people, maybe not exactly half, are getting a vaccine that doesn't actually do anything. That's just like saline. Um, and yeah, like people are being guinea pigs right now. But that's that's kind of the only way we can advance medicine is by um, trying these new treatments on people who, and like people are like honestly very brave for participating in a clinical trial. Um, right. 
On the other hand, if you are very, very ill, um, like with a very, like a terminal cancer or something, there you want to be on a clinical trial if there's, there's no good medications to treat you. Um, mm. So people are guinea pigs, um, but they're really like contributing to science. And sometimes it can be like the only opportunity to get like a life-saving therapy. And it's also like free. Like you will never pay anything to receive these treatments, but you'd run the risk of like, you know, it's not necessarily FDA approved. Um, it's not scientific. It's like, they're trying to prove that it's effective. So that's, that's the first, the first, my first answer to your question. The second answer is like, has this been effective? Absolutely. Like this is how every, like pretty much every medication anyone takes, like has gone through this like rigorous randomized process. Okay. Um, so like, for example, if you, if you get, um, like often if you get like a bottle of pills, there's like this, this, um, like piece of paper that's attached to it. That's like folded over like a hundred times. I never I read it. You guys, I don't read exactly, it. Exactly. But, yeah, but if yeah, you unfold no it, it, it's like this huge poster that like summarizes all the results of the clinical trials that mm. went into deciding that that medication is approved for your condition. Right. Um, and I've, I've never, I've never read it either. I just throw it away. But like I yeah. opened it one time and I was like, wow, this actually like has all of the data um, or like a summary of the data and like mm -hmm. stuff, like all this evidence showing that it's like worth it. So it's like trials are the most important thing for developing medications. Yeah, I actually had uh, had firsthand experience with something similar. Uh, a few years ago, my daughter, the youngest one, she's three now, um, she has dilated cardiomyopathy. I'm sure you know. It's like enlargement of the heart. Um, okay. I, I, I know very little about actual. So it's like, it's funny that I'm like called like instructor in medicine because I know like I'm not a medical doctor by any means. Okay. I just like help people design studies. I know a little bit about some parts of medicine, but I'm not like a medical expert, but sorry, keep going. Yeah. Got it. No, it's okay. Um, so she, yeah, she's got enlargement of the heart and um, they, it almost got to the point where she was going to receive a heart transplant and luckily it didn't get to that point. Uh, she was not a candidate because she was not, uh, I guess, ill enough to get one. Right. So they thought that they would try meds first and then they would go from there. And, but one of the questions that they asked us was, would you be willing to take part in this new medication, in this new study, right? So basically we know that this cocktail of medications, it's, it was five or six at the time, it's come down. We're really lucky that she's getting better, but it's basically now she's down to three. But at the time it was five or six. And, or you can try this new medicine that, we've, uh, that we're studying and uh, we're not really sure what's going to happen. But we know that this one over here has worked really well with adults. The problem, according to the doctor, was that um, they don't really have a lot of children that have heart failure, or at least what she had. So she was like really valuable to them, right? So if we accepted to take this new medication, that would increase the sample size pool that would hopefully later lead to proving that yes, that medication works on children really well, or no, it doesn't. So it was, it was 
I mean, I'll be honest, it was a hard decision because we wanted to do the noble thing, right? We wanted to be part of maybe saving another kid's life in the future, right? And we had that opportunity in our hands that as parents, we could take that step. Um, on the other hand, you don't want your child to die. You know, I know that sounds morbid, but we were in that situation, unfortunately. And so we chose not to do the study. Um, I felt a little bit guilty, but at the same time, I was making this decision on, beha on behalf of a three-year-old who, if she probably had a choice, would have said, no, fuck that. Give me the shit that works, right? Um, give me the stuff that's proven. So I kind of, you know, went into her shoes and was like, what would she want to do? She'd probably want to live and she'd probably want to take the stuff that, that is going to make her feel better. So it's interesting that you mentioned trials and things like that. So I do have a little experience with that. Yeah. I'm really sorry to, to hear, you know, that you, uh, you, you had to go through that. Um, thanks. Thanks. Um, yeah. it was, it was tough. It was like the hardest month of my life. Um, everything from getting a call that's saying your daughter's about to get admitted, uh, in, you know, to the to the hospital after she was, she did have a cold, which is what highlighted eventually the fact that she was struggling with the cold because she had an enlarged heart, et cetera, et cetera. But she was otherwise super healthy. So it went from, she's got to be rushed to the hospital to like, she's not leaving for quite a bit, you know, for four weeks. Um, so it was gnarly. Um, I'm sure I'll talk about it later in, in, in this podcast, but, but yeah, like, it's it's interesting. You're essentially mentioning something that we had a choice to to kind of be a part. Yeah. So that's I mean, you know exactly what I'm talking about with um yeah, the complexities of like how do you decide whether or not to be in a clinical trial? And so behind the scenes, you know, when you're saying like oh the doctors were telling you this patient, your daughter is very valuable to us, there's a biostatistician behind the scenes who crunched the numbers and figured out like um, who, who were able to identify that, you know, your daughter participating would have been valuable for that study. Um, but you're getting at like something that's really huge in, you know, statistics as well, which is like the ethics of all of it, mm -hmm. right? Like it's a huge, um, and I think this is like a greater problem in like math, science, technology, which is just like, people think that numbers have nothing to do with like morals and like what's right and wrong um when really like everything comes down to like there's there's a role of right and wrong and respecting people's um rights uh in tech in science in medicine it's like so important and i think people don't talk about that enough um because like to you know on paper it's just like oh people are just numbers but you know it was your daughter right so yeah. yeah it's really yeah. important is that is that a very so it seems like that's probably a very big um, topic within that community within your community does that does, how does that come up what is that conversation like with um with everyone with your peers or, or your instructors yeah um i mean i've had like a number of so i can i go back like a, a couple of years um which i think will kind of like show you like how I ended up doing biostats in the first place. But so, um, as you mentioned, like I went to Brown for undergrad, I thought I wanted to go actually go to med school. Um, and I did everything 
to like prepare for that goal. Like I took the MCAT, I wrote my application essays. I did this like uh, mock interview process. I did everything except for apply to med school. Um, I decided not to ultimately. And then so I ended up working at a company uh, as a statistical data analyst um, at a company in Burlingame. So I moved back to um, where I grew up. Um, well, I grew up in Union City. Um, but I was working in Burlingame at a company and doing some data analysis. And one thing that we were working on um, is that we were working with an office in the federal government called the assistant, the office of the assistant secretary of preparedness and response. So it was like, I was working in the field of disaster preparedness for the federal government. And something that we were trying to do is we were trying to look at Medicare claims. So we were trying to identify vulnerable, medically vulnerable populations from Medicare claims. So for example, like when someone who is on Medicare, when they, um, have like an oxygen tank or like a ventilator ordered um, that like maybe they need to have inside of their own home, they will submit a claim um, to Medicare and then there would be some record in some computer somewhere indicating that they received um, that Medicare paid for this medical equipment, right? And so that data in exists somewhere. And something that a lot of people wanted to know was like, okay, if there is a power outage in this part of the country, how many people are at, at risk because their oxygen tank or their ventilator, suddenly they don't have power, right? So like how many, they were trying to identify these like medically vulnerable populations around the country. Mm. They wanted to make like this map that was like, okay, in this county, in this state, there's a lot of people who would be really at risk if some, if there was some sort of like catastrophe, some like huge weather event. Mm -hmm. um, and so what we were doing is we were trying to like mine the data to identify, to basically make this map to figure out where these populations lived, which was actually ended up being kind of controversial, right? Because, and there was this article in the New York Times about the work that we were doing, um, talking about how, oh, this was like big brother watching over people but that we had access to like people's medical records and that people wanted privacy. And so like, what, what's the trade-off here between mm -hmm. like, you know, helping, you know, are we going into people's medical records? Because we, I mean, we want to help them. We want to be able to help the local governments know where the vulnerable populations are, but then that comes into conflict with like people being worried about, um, you know, their privacy and like how secure is this information, um, especially since it's dealing with like vulnerable populations. Um, so it was, it was, uh, it's complicated. Um, yeah. It can be well-intentioned, um, but yeah, it just like, it comes up, it comes up all the time. I feel like we, we, I don't know if this is an American thing, but I feel like we place this, we place like privacy on top of everything sometimes to the point where yes we should have privacy if we want it um but i don't think that the repercussions of that privacy sometimes like in this case um are really understood it's just like no it's my it's my shit 
It's my record. It's my stuff, whatever. Like personally, I don't know how you guys feel, but like, I don't really give a shit who knows anything about me. Right. Like maybe if I was like a cartel leader, got it. I want to be incognito. Right. Maybe if I was like, uh, into whatever, I don't know, into trafficking humans. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know why I'm bringing those things yeah. up. Maybe subconsciously <laughs> there's something going on with me, but, um, but you know what I'm saying? It's just like, I don't care. Like, I, I don't care who sees my browser history. I don't, I could give a shit. Like, I know that I'm not doing anything wrong most of the time and <laughs> it should be, it should be okay. Like in this case, yeah. Like if you're going to tell me doctor that like, I should probably move to a different county because this county that I'm in and I'm really sick and I need to go in once once a month, this county that I'm in has constant brownouts or tornadoes tearing, you know, you know, fucking things up. It's like, hey, you're at high risk at one of those times that you go to the hospital, that ventilator, that whatever, that uh, Berlin heart, which is, you know, a machine that basically acts as a heart for kids or for anyone really that their heart can't do the right work. Uh, could basically lose power or whatever like yes give me that information like because what's going to happen in my opinion is when something does happen and they're like well why didn't anyone tell me this it's like well you wanted to keep your data you were part of the group that wanted to keep your data secret or private and stuff so that trade-off to me is is a no-brainer but i i get it like i guess as americans we're just like very indulging i guess and we're very like all about us and whatever but yeah i think um so i think with that it's like i think there are situations where and this is i think becomes political because for example um one really important part of like the affordable care act obamacare was like protections for pre-existing conditions so if everyone knows that, for example, like some, I have this like medical condition um, that, and, and I'm not protected, that could mean that my insurance rates as they're like being offered to me could be jacked way up because mm-hmm. they, because that information became public right. um, before I was willing to give that up. So in that case, like, so I think it's like, there has to be this balance um, where you know, divulging like private medical information where you're still protected that they're not going to use it against you. Do you know what right. I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Or they're not going to like blast it on Twitter or whatever, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, like blast it on Twitter. Yeah. Please. Yeah. It should just be like the people that need to know, no. And, yeah. and, and, yeah. and, and that's what it is. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's super interesting. Every, I guess everything gets politicized these days or I guess, it's always really been politicized. We just don't really think about it in that frame of reference, but even more right now and even more where I think we've talked about this, Nick, where it's like, you got to pick a side. And if you don't, you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're a loser or you're a bad person. So um, that's, that's super interesting. Let's see what else. You got anything else yeah. for the doctor, Nick? Um, well, I do. Actually, do yeah. you call him doctor? Do you call him doctor at I home? Know. I laugh I, every time I, I sh- you say doctor. I should I should though I, I think I will from now on I mean honestly I, I, I'm, like, I'm, for, I'm forgetting his first name and I'm just calling him doctor from now on I, that's what I'm doing that's what I All that's right, cool. the road I'm gonna take okay so going back to um, your your previous job doctor 
Um, so was it a company that you worked for that was hired by the federal government or was it, was it directly with the federal government? Because that is where I could see um, where the issue kind of comes in, where it's just like a separate firm. And then what if another government or not another government, but, you know, a bigger company would decided, hey, let's hire this company to do research um, for us. Is, so what is, was it like that or? Yeah, so it was a, so it was like a, it was a consulting firm but all of the contracts were federal um, mm. government so agencies. So it was private. It was private, but we would yeah. have never like interacted with anyone else. It was just like government contracts, mm. like a hundred percent. I think, I don't think that's, you know, I worked there from 2013 to 2015. I don't know if that's changed at all. I don't think it has, um, but yeah. Cool. But that kind of brings me to the next thing is that I'm sure that there are companies that, you know, will work for any other company or like any other, whoever pays them, yep. not the government. And then that kind of can get into where, let's say folks like yourself, not knowing, like thinking that their research has good intentions, but you know, the people that hire them have different intent with that data. Um, so do you ever feel like, have you ever been in a situation like that where you might've been researching something that you're like, oh, I don't know if this, this might be kind of suspect. Are you, are you really going to incriminate him on the podcast? <laughs> like that's what you're trying to do? Right no, well, no, not like that, but like, or not, not, not suspect as an illegal, but maybe something what? you didn't agree with. What a cousin. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um no so i mean fortunately i can answer this very honestly which is like i i don't feel like i've ever been in that situation it's kind of the reason why i wanted to um so right now i work at a hospital um <laughs> yeah people who watch on youtube they'll they'll see that otherwise uh-huh <laughs> watch, on on. watch on youtube and, you, <laughs> and you'll see what just happened you'll see you'll yeah. see yeah you'll see what went, went down um but yeah, so I worked at that company and then um, now I'm working at a hospital. I think because I always wanted to be accountable to either like a universe. So I'm like, I work at Mass General and it's like I'm also affiliated with Harvard, um, which to me are both like very transparent institutions in terms of like the research that we do um, that you know, we're not trying to, um, or at least nothing that I'm engaged in has anything to do with like, oh, we're trying to get this particular drug approved. Like no like pharmaceutical company um, is paying me to like figure out like, oh, how does this, you know, um, trying to sway the data and like the analysis of it to show that their drug is better. Um, it was important to me to like work somewhere where um, I felt that there was like that integrity um, that I wouldn't, that it's not like influenced by outside forces. If that answers kind of what you're getting at. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I, that kind of makes me wonder if uh, those places, those pharmaceutical companies pay like three times as more 
I mean, yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah, that probably makes sense, right? Yeah. For for yeah. those, but there's to, a, like they, they do good work, and like you know, they have to also be transparent. You know, when they submit their data to the FDA to get approved, um, I don't want to like discount all of that. But I think, I mean, so. <laughs> Everything is like, as you said, like everything's political. So like right now, um, so like Trump was treated with um, an antibody, like these antibody treatments from like this company Regeneron. And it recently came out that like he had like financial ties as well to Regeneron. Um, and in his, like when he, so like, I don't know. I want. I I can't like stomach like watching him talk, uh, but when I like see like clips like on the news, um, you know, when he one of his like little speeches outside the White House, he says Regeneron like five times, mm-hmm. um, and so it just. I don't know. It, sa- it gets a lot hairier when when in the pharma world as opposed to like, kind of. I don't know. It's why I went into like hospital based research. Yeah. Are you, are you saying that that could have him being sick could have potentially been some sort of stunt? So I, that's what I, so <laughs> when I woke up that Friday morning and I got like the, the alert that like he had been diagnosed, I first, I was like, Oh, this is going to be like a stunt um, where it's going to be like, Oh, he got it, but it was like a very mild case and he got over <laughs> it to show, to prove to everyone like, Oh, mm. it's not a big deal. Um, but then at the same, but then I was like, he got hospitalized and I was like, he's someone who would never want to show weakness. He was like, he's very, um, like, oh, I'm in, and he's like, you know, he'll say like, like I'm invincible. Like nothing can take me down. And so that made me think that he he actually said that too, I think. Yeah. 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 So like, he's a big boy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I couldn't think of so I don't, th- I don't think it was, I don't think it was a stunt, but I think that um, he, like, that there's complicated financial relationships there mm-hmm. that go back many years that, um, mm. you know, did they, did Regeneron, like, you know, do, do they support, um, I think they do have, like, financial interest in, uh, like either like supported Trump being reelected mm-hmm. um, or whatever it is. And so like, it's kind of like, you know, yeah. they did this for him. Now he's doing, um, he's like saying nice things about Regeneron and stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so messy and um, we could probably spend days and days talking about this in this very topic. Um and yeah it can be a little deflating i guess when we see articles like that and when we see things like oh here are how you connect the dots and you start to just say man like this sucks and then you start to feel disillusioned um i mean at this point i've grown calluses to the point where i'm just like whatever and i know that's sad to say but um i just don't no, like if I sit here personally, if I sit here and really mull those things over and connect the dots and then go into more research around his financial ties, when he made them and all this stuff, it'll just drive me bonkers. It'll just drive me crazy. Mm-hmm. And maybe in my more militant days when I was in high school or 
in college when I was like, you know, fuck the police, um, then that could have been, I, I would definitely, I would definitely just eat myself up, but I've learned to definitely, to detach a little bit and not, not necessarily like not give a shit completely, but understand that the forces that be, whatever they are, I'll never understand them completely. No one will. There's so many players and everything that involves a lot of money. Um, so I, I don't know. Anyways, I'll, I'll get off my soapbox about that. But yeah, it's super interesting how they're tied together. Um, did you always want to be in? So you said one thing that triggered was working at this company. But prior to that, like as a kid, what did you want to be? Like even prior to high school? Maybe? Yeah. Um, so I did not know. So I, I didn't know that like this was a career until I was like almost done with college. I had no mm. idea that this was okay. a thing that people did. Um, <laughs> I think about this a lot. Like, so when I, w- when I was a kid, I would think there were like two career options that I had like considered. One was like, I wanted to scoop ice cream because I loved ice cream, plus <laughs> our family ties to ice cream. Right. Um, but uh, the other thing I wanted to do was be a software engineer because that's what my mom did. And like, to me, those are like the only things that you could do. <laughs> right. That's really um, sweet. That's really sweet. Yeah. And so uh, as I um, went along, I always liked math and I had really good, um, I had really important and like uh, really influential teachers in high school in um, math and biology. Um, shout out to Kenneth Pruka and Abigail Noche. They were my mm. uh, calculus and biology teachers and they really showed me um, how interesting like those could be. And so I went to, I went to college thinking kind of like pushing aside math and thinking that like, oh, like people are doctors. That sounds good. I'll do that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's very noble, you know, to use the word you used earlier. And like, it's like clearly, clearly they help people. Um, everyone else is like so many people were pre-med that I went to college with. And, but then as I kind of went down that path, um, I had like a change of heart one day when I was talking to someone and then he was deciding if he wanted to go to med school and then he said okay what would I do if I could never go to med school like what if none of the schools would take me what would I do Mm -hmm. and so I thought about that for myself because I was getting ready to apply like what would I do if suddenly like that was no longer an option and then I was like I would be perfectly fine (laughs) like I would just like find something else to do and I felt that for Mm -hmm. medicine you had to want it so bad for it to be worth it. The long hours, the like years. I mean, I went to years and years of school, but like what they have to do is like even, it's like residency then fellowship and just like all of this stuff um, that it, that didn't seem, I, I didn't feel like the drive to do it in the way that um, I felt like I was supposed to. Um, so then I kind of like was like, okay, what do I actually like about medicine? And I do like, you know, the idea of helping people. And I think medicine is interesting. I think the human body is interesting. But then I thought about, okay, what am I really good at? Which was math. Um, And what do I think is fun to do? Which was like also math, 
more than like um, thinking about like, oh, do I want to operate on someone? Like the idea of like going to like an anatomy lab with like yeah. cadavers and stuff is like, I've been to one and I like, I couldn't, it was so <laughs> upsetting to me. Whereas I know some people are like, they're like fascinated by like, oh, like this is what the body looks like on the inside. And I was like, yeah. I want to throw up and I need to leave. Um, so I'll probably throw up too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of like, and then I, I did an internship um, in San Francisco where I kind of learned about how I learned a little bit more about like the clinical trials and like how people use math to solve interesting problems in medicine and how you really need to use, you need like a quantitative approach to be able to like make medical advances. Cause if it's just like, not to, you know, disparage doctors, but like doctors collect all this data and they have to turn it into something actionable. Mm. They have to be able to like, yeah. you know, figure out what the best practices are right. so they can improve, you can advance medical treatment. And the only way you can do that is not just like, oh, I had this experience with this patient and I had this experience with this patient. You have to synthesize that information in some sort of meaningful, unbiased way. And so that's, so that like, that I learned that there was a career where you could do that was like really appealing to me. Um, and that's kind of how I ended up um, deciding that I wanted to go to grad school for this. Right on. That's great. Yeah. And, yeah. and in your, like with your degrees, it, it's very like currently it's tied to medicine and the medical field, but could you do other things with those degrees, not tied to medicine? Like, could you work in area 51 if you really wanted to, right? Like, <laughs> could you, you yeah. know, I don't know if you believe in, believe in aliens, but if you don't, you should, um, they are real yeah. things. Um, and like, could you get into that kind of stuff or is it too much, too much of a stretch? Yeah. So um, people who have, uh, I actually have like one of my, one of my friends, I don't know if I ever mentioned this to you, Nick, but like he like works at Uber in data science. Um, he graduated from my program. Um, and mm -hmm. so he, so like data science is like a huge thing where it doesn't, it's not that you necessarily need to be analyzing medical data. Mm. Like, you know, you could be analyzing people's behavior on like, I don't, I don't know exactly what he works on at Uber. Um, but it's like, you know, they're collecting so much data on where people get picked up and like where they go and like, how do you optimize yep. all of that stuff that goes into it? Um, so he's probably analyzing like what's the likelihood that this autonomous autonomous car is going to hit someone and oh my like God. That. because that's never happened or maybe like i don't know what are the odds that an engineer might catch a case on sexual harassment or something like that or or how many times carlos orders a burrito from uber eats or how many times i order a burrito from yeah. uber eats and give it thumbs down because my order was wrong <laughs> yeah so so i mean truly all of these questions are answered with statistics. If you, if you have a question that's like, what's the probability, what are the odds that right. X will happen? That's, yeah. a statistic, that's a statistics question. And so like, um, you know, I've kind of specialized in a way where I focus on um, certain like topic areas, but like the skill set that I, that I got um, from my program, like I could, I, I could like 
you know, go into these other fields and, you know, it's, you know, they use different, like, I, like data science uses a lot more like machine learning than I personally use in my stuff. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, people go into like finance, um, which again is just like, you know, crunching numbers broadly. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, people do like one of, one of my, um, one of my best friends, she's, uh, working, you know, to try, she works for a company that's like associated with like the Biden campaign, which is like statistical approaches to help people, you know, to like get out the vote. Um, yeah. and how do you identify people based on like their past voting patterns, their demographics. Mm -hmm. um, so there's like ways you can, you know, use it for like social causes as well. Um, which is something that I really like about statistics because it's like, if I guess as I said, it's like, if you can ask the question, what's the probability that something's gonna happen? You need yeah. to use statistics to do yeah. it. Mm. I've just specialized in this particular way. I used to ask myself that a lot, like at the bar, it's like, what are the, like, if I have this next, if I have another shot, what are the chances that I either A, throw up, B, end up on a park bench, or C, get divorced? And, like, I was constantly running that math. I got so good at it. I mean, I should probably have a degree, I but I got yeah. so good at it that, like, I'm still here, not divorced, you know, not homeless. <laughs> I don't have any kind of disease that I know of. I should probably. But you've thrown up. But I've thrown up a couple times. So that's like, that's like the the extent of to you know that 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 uh, that it got to. So I know what you're saying. Yeah. Like I I got you. You know. Um, yeah. You just. Yeah. I, oh, go ahead, Nick. Uh, yeah, I was just gonna say like, um, I think it's cool that you are passionate about the health and medical like field. Um, but so do you spend a lot of time or do you have other research projects that are outside that you just do for fun or is it kind of like that's where you kind of devote all your time to like you know it's like yeah. let me see let me, let me let me do a little calculation on the you know what I mean with something I don't know I can't think of an example yeah no I mean a, a good example like so 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 like one of my um Someone I went to school with, uh, she, her name's Kathy Evans. And so she was actually working at um, Verily, which is like Google Health. Um, and she was working on there. She was working there full time um, doing biostatistics stuff. But in her spare time, she would be doing like sports analytics, statistics stuff. Um, Carlos, that's badass. That's badass. Yeah. So I tend, I, I will place a bet here or there <laughs> from time to time, doctor. And um, I don't want to get into that, but um, maybe I should have a conversation with your friend because I tend to come out on the losing side quite often. <laughs> yeah. So she, so she was doing, she was working like full-time in biostats at Google, but then she actually, you know, I don't, maybe a year ago now, she moved to Toronto, worked for the Raptors, um, mm -hmm. and is entirely in that world. Someone I just graduated with, Matt Plonsky, he, I think, just took a job with the Niners doing, like, analytics for them as well. So mm. it's kind of, in both of those cases, like, you know, they were doing biostats, but then, like, their, like, side interest 
like became they became like well known in those areas um mm-hmm. to the point where they were like to be able to make like a full career transition and that's like what they're passionate about um those are like good stories like i have like I guess Nick knows I have like no interest in sports like whatsoever. (laughs) Um, So this is like not at all. I'm not answering your question directly at all Um, in terms of like the things that I, I, I like to study on the side for like analytics. Um, There is like this project that I like have wanted to work on um, for a while and I've done like a little bit of work on. Um, So something that I'm interested in is theater um, I like going to plays. I like going to musicals. Um, it's been, you know, it's sad, you know, with the shutdown and everything, like they just announced that all the shows. So like I live in Boston, obviously, um, sometimes I go to New York and they announced that like, you know, Broadway theaters are closed until May 30th, 2021, which is a total of like 14 months. Um, and which is like really hard. And there's like a whole industry of people who like work in that. Um, so like kind of a longstanding project that I've been wanting to do is studying like, can you predict whether or not um, like a show is going to be successful and just various mm. questions about that. Cause there's like, you know, millions and millions of dollars that go into that. So kind of like more on the financial yeah. side of things. Um, but yeah, trying to do like modeling for that. So like I did a little bit of, like I had a, I like did some side projects about that, but I haven't, I don't know. I was like always like never found the time to like commit fully to it, but yeah. you know, one day I want to work on it a little more. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah. You mentioned um, uh, those two careers, right? One for the Niners, one for the Raptors. I actually saw, I think it was on like on, um, that one show with Bryant Gumbel, some sports show on HBO or one of those shows, one of the sports documentary, short documentary shows. But yeah, like it's a big thing, right? To where now they're hiring statisticians, right? To say, okay, if, if um, James Harden takes the ball out and dribbles past half court and only dribbles it three times, the probability of him shooting it is this or the probability of him making it is this like literally they they count his steps or or like if he goes to the right then to the left what is the probability that he'll make it or pass it like it's it's crazy but it's a very real thing now to the point where these folks are making a ton of money because they take this data and then they somehow disseminate it to they dumb it down i'm sure for coaches and players not that coaches and players are stupid but i mean they're also not going to sit there and look at charts and change the way they play right they'll probably have to have a, a happy medium where it's like look james like you are really good from this side and i can prove it to you and when you hold on to the ball too long you're gonna miss you know then you probably get into like sports psychology and all of that shit but it's a very real thing and it's becoming um, this, they're using it as a tool to, to win and to have higher winning percentages overall. So um, yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting that you bring that up because when I saw that, you know, we see, we see 
players and we're like jocks, right? Like, and many of them are, right? <laughs> many of them, many of them are. No disrespect to them. There's nothing wrong. They're very talented people. Um, but now you bring this like other element into it, and you're you're talking about something that we never even knew could be a thing, right? It's like shoot the ball, make the ball, kick the ball, make the ball, you know. And that's really it. So bringing in this other element is pretty amazing. And, and it's pretty cool that it comes through, through math. Um, you mentioned two young ladies that you know that uh, are in the field. What he's is trying to the... get their, he's trying to get their contacts. No, <laughs> no. Because he's, he's, you try to slightly mention that you are into sports a little bit. And then now he's trying to get no, those no, contacts. No, no. Don't, no. don't give it to him. Don't give it to him. Doctor. It's doctor. a black hole. Doctor, don't, don't. doctor, sorry, doctor, don't give it to him, doctor. Don't don't listen to him. No. Here's my question. What uh what percentage of your field is women versus versus men? So it's actually the, the two people I brought up, uh it's 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 one woman and one man. So it's not oh, both they're not both okay. women. Um but um I would say that I think things are shifting that for a long time it was very heavily male dominated uh-huh. um but in my like in my program at harvard i think it was like roughly half um you know it was oh, like wow. pretty very good like uh gender parity um that's really in good my program yeah um i think it's I think it's because it's like a field where like, it's not, I think it's very, it's very different if you were to look at like pure math um, programs or even like statistics versus biostatistics, which is what I'm in. Like that's like, like at Harvard, there was a statistics department and a biostatistics department. Um, And I think, so like in, in medicine, you know, I think there are, I think it also has, you know, for a long time, it was like very male dominated, but like now mm-hmm. it's, you know, they have really good um, equity in terms of gender. And I think because my field, like my special, like biostatistics involves medicine and health. I think that's partially why um, it has better uh, gender parity compared to like what people consider to be like the hard sciences. Um, though, of course, there, you know, there are a lot of women who are like at the top of their field there as well. But I think it's because it has more like a health bent um, mm-hmm. that, it's, that it's more uh, diverse in that sense. Okay, that's awesome. What were you going to say, Nick? Oh, yeah. So that kind of goes into the, you said, like the type of people that um, in that group, right? So what were there, if there were any, the parties like at Harvard? <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, he didn't have time for parties. Not, that, well, I, I, you know, that's part of the question too. I, I'm, but I'm sure that there had to be some kind of celebratory, you know, ritual yeah. that you had with your colleagues, of course. Um, you know what I mean? I mean, oh, pre-COVID, of course, pre-COVID, of course. Yeah, I mean, so um, as you you were there, as I defended my dissertation this June over Zoom, 
Um, but mm -hmm. normally what happens is you do your defense in person and then sometimes like friends and family can come and then you get shit faced at the end of the day. Like that's normally what happens. Yeah. Um, and it's what I yeah. wish could have happened uh, this year um, to celebrate like five years of, uh, of hard work and stuff. Um, to answer like, what were the parties like? It was just like before pandemic times, it was a lot of going to people's houses and drinking. Like, um, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Do you think it's probably probably a much different type of party than if you were to go to like University of Santa Cruz or something right. like that? Type I think famous like like Harvard Business School uh, students like famously go to school to network and party. So that's very different even here. Okay. okay. Um, yeah. I mean, cause like, right. I feel like everyone who gets their MBA in like here at least is like the time you spend in the classroom is much less important than the people you know and the people you meet. Um, mm. And so I think that's a setting where like, you know, that's why I'm like, why would anyone go to business school during a pandemic if they had the choice? Cause it's like the whole point is like meeting people. Um, yeah, to gain those connections. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, one thing I actually wanted to clarify. For sure. So, um, yeah. so when I was listening to last week, um, Nick, you were saying like, oh, I got like a full ride to Harvard. Um, yes, yes, yes. So this is like, so that's, it's technically true that I didn't pay to get my master's or my PhD here um, at Harvard, but that's because like, it's a job what I did for those five years. Um, mm. Like I attended classes mm. for mostly just in my first and second year, but I did a lot of like teaching, grading, holding office hours for students, doing a lot of, um, and then like all the research that I was doing was in support like of my advisor. So like I had like, I was a teaching assistant. I was like a research assistant. I was doing all of these things. So like everyone who gets a PhD in the sciences, they're, we get like a stipend, which was like $32,000 a year. And there was a huge effort to like unionize um, last year, which we successfully did. Um, but so like, yeah, it's just like, it wasn't, it was very different from like undergrad where the focus was like, you know, where like classes and getting the education was like a big part of it. And like, that mm -hmm. is what, a, that, that was a big part of this too, but we were like truly like student workers also. Mm -hmm. um, so I viewed it more as a job um, than school, exactly. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like a student, different... it's kind of like a student athlete, right? Like they get paid, but they're also doing, I mean, they're doing a job. Yeah. They're professional yeah. athletes. Like, yeah. No matter what people want to say, those those men and women that play in college are just as good um, or very close to pros. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Totally. So, is there two different? Is there kind of like two different definitions of a full ride? I guess is that or yeah. Like I think you know, like, <laughs> sorry. like full ride to me means like sorry. My ten year old uh, brain was just like full ride and thought about other things. Go ahead. Um, don't mind him. Don't mind me. 
so so like like for like when i think about like a full ride to med school or to college where like you know you're not required to work i mean med school is a little different because you have to like do like rotations and like you're actually like in a hospital and stuff mm -hmm. supervised but like um like i was doing like yeah like, like for college where you're taking classes every semester you're not like doing a job um that's part of it like i think that that's that's what i think of like as a full ride where like you get your tuition paid for um okay but you're not required necessarily to like do yeah like extra yeah. work beyond that he worked for his, yeah. he worked for his shit he didn't you yeah, know, Nick, yeah it didn't get come it right. easy get it right <laughs> my bad my bad you know but that's why we got him here to clear to clear the air clear the air, clear the air. Yeah. i couldn't let that stand that's why he's, yeah yeah he just he, had to he works hard for his money nick he said he said, he said put some respect on my name uh-huh uh let's see what i got here um yeah i think you've answered everything doctor i mean do you have any questions for us i'd love to give you some time to pick our brain on anything we are nowhere nearly as interesting as you um yeah. but uh is there anything that we can answer um if if you're curious, probably not. You're you're smart. We're not. So he already he already no, I, knows the answers. <laughs> yeah, he's he reading already, my mind right now. I don't know. I don't like the well. Something I think that I've learned in so in like my position. Um, so like so I I didn't even really say like what I do specifically for my job, which is like I work with doctors on their medical studies, um, and so they have like a, a question that they want to answer. Like specifically, I work with um, some people who work in like diabetes and pregnancy and they have like questions they want to answer about that. And something that's like always really interesting to me and that I've, I think that I've picked up like in my life is just like everyone's really smart at like something. It's just like it just looks different. And so clearly like the people that I work with at my job they know so much more about medicine and pregnancy than I will like ever know, but like maybe they're really bad at statistics. That's like mean to like my colleagues, they're not bad at statistics, but like, that's like an example. Um, mm -hmm, yeah. And like when I was a TA in grad school, like some of my students would be, you know, 30 years older than me have like decades of experience in medicine, but they like hadn't thought about like numbers as much during that time. And so in that setting, like, sure, I was like really smart compared to them. Um, but I think everyone, I don't know. So that's why I kind of like, I don't love the idea that like, oh, I like am, I don't know, like that when you see that, like, I have like a PhD, it's like, oh, I'm like suddenly so smart and like everything. It's like, there's so many things I know nothing about. Yeah. And that's true, I think for like, like everyone like i don't know the first thing about like the coordinating to like run a podcast or like the things that you two do like in your jobs like mm -hmm. i know nothing about that i'm so dumb in that respect and mm -hmm. so i think it's just like taught me that like sure in this like one setting if you look at it this way i seem smarter than the people that i'm teaching at that time but like they have so much that they can like teach me um 
and it's just like in a different setting if the tables were turned things would be so different um so i just chose to like specialize in that one thing yeah. um and i think yeah that's just like kind of how i've grown to view the world um and view very humble being very at harvard humble. and stuff that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing that someone that's accomplished so much um, as you have has that perspective because I would, I mean, I would be a complete asshole. Like if I had three <laughs> degrees and two, you know, and they were from Harvard and Brown university, you better fucking bet your bottom dollar that I'm going to staple those to my fat body and walk around with them because you would have copies of them in your wallet oh bro I, they would be my business card like i would make them tiny <laughs> and they would be the degree and then just that that would be my business card so i think that it's i think that it's amazing that you don't act that way i think it's i think we need more people like you in the world and in medicine um and doing all of these things that um that matter because look Nick and I have jobs that we take pride in, but at the end of the day, do our jobs, are we changing lives? No, we're facilitating communications, which is important, especially right now during COVID. But um, if we had to put them, you know, on a totem pole of importance, um, I would, I would probably say that medicine and making sure that we're, we have the correct data to be able to properly treat people and, and over time, you know, maybe it essentially what it all leads to is better lives and increased lifespans, right? So, um, yeah, but like if everyone, if I can extend people's lifespans, but there's like, like, you know, there has to be, like, I think everyone has a role in making like life itself worthwhile. That's right? true. Like, I hate when people like disparage the arts because it's like, oh, you think you're like so important because of your like, tech job or like your job in medicine but like but you're turning on netflix every night like who do you think makes that artists that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. i think everyone has a role no that's great yeah and i think there's a role in 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 i think there's a, there's a like a laughter factor that needs to be considered i think in being well too i mean for me comedy i'm a huge comedy fan like i, I can't get enough of it a lot of it is shitty um, but there's so much that is really good that I could be really down and I could be feeling sick or whether it's actually like, you know, a cold or whether it just like psychologically, I'm just, my mind's not right at the moment. Um, and I will watch something that just blows my mind. Right. Um, I remember, you know, watching Carlin or prior for the first time and being like, holy shit, what is this? Like, I want to, I want to be even the like one tenth of what those greats were. And it put me in a completely different headspace and has led me to want to, you know, do things like start a podcast. So you're right. I mean, I think everyone does have a part. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of wonder if there, there has to be a study where laugh they you know, the, the is trying to figure out whether laughter is the best medicine or not. There has to be. If not, yeah, no, we got Tony. We got Tony. <laughs> yeah, people <laughs> study like people definitely study the role of like the arts in people's in people's lives, and um, but then it's also like you know, uh, it, but is there always some sort of like concrete thing you can point to in that's different from like 
you know, it's like, sure, like, do people live longer is one endpoint that you could think about, but it's just like, quality of life is like so hard to measure and people spend their whole lives like studying like quality of life and trying to quantify it, but it's really hard. Um, but it's definitely important. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. this has been amazing. I think. Yes, it um, has. It's been great. Yeah, I mean, I barely go, barely go to the doctor. I, I don't know any doctors. <laughs> so to have someone on the podcast, uh, I'm not proud of that, by the way. I should probably go to the doctor more often. Uh, I probably have a lot of things that I don't know um, I have. But uh, yeah, to have someone on our podcast that is a doctor and, and uh, is dropping some, some dope knowledge has been a pleasure. Is there anything else you want to say or... Uh, close the episode with doctor I just like I laugh every time I've never heard someone call me doctor so many times that's um, what you are man you gotta own it yeah you, gotta you have it. to own it that's what yeah. you that's, that's what you are actually there was a there was something I was mad about recently because um I was uh me and someone else um in my department who's also who's like a professor we were working um with two, like we were working together to do like the statistics for a project with these two other doctors at the hospital. And one of them sent an email to us and they said, Dr. Blank and Tony. Oh. I was like, <laughs> and the other person was the person who I was working with. She's the chief of the department. Like she's the most important person. So, you know, respect to her. She's great. Um, but it's like, I was just trying to understand that. Like, you know, you know that I also have a PhD. Right. Um, but you chose to say Dr. Blank and Tony. Um, right. And and my- some respect. And, and the, the person I was working with, she like um, said to me later, like that was disrespectful. Like she's like, sorry that happened and stuff. So like, I'm not, you know, I'm not upset about that at all. But I was like, you know, this was a work setting. Like that's either use both of our first names or use doctor for both, but like, don't differentiate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So she apologized. So she apologized. Not the person who no. said it. Um, just my right. call, like the, my colleague, um, she was like, that was inappropriate of them to do that. But like, we didn't escalate it to be like a whole thing. Cause it's just like an email. It's like yeah. not that big of a deal, but yeah. Well, yeah. Well, well, you know, DM me her name and then we'll, uh, you know, we'll see what's 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 happening. We'll, you know, put some respect on my cousin's name. Cancel her. <laughs> Nick will make sure that her Uber account gets canceled. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she won't be able to go anywhere. Yeah, now she's just probably salty about something. Um, yeah, treat. That's a good way to end the episode. Actually, treat everyone with respect. Give everyone the uh, the time and the um, yeah, just the R-E-S-P-C-T, right? Is that how you spell respect? Mm -hmm. R-E-S-P, yep, that's how you do it. Aretha did it, right? Like that, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. And don't forget to make sure that... I forgot the R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Right, I said R-E-S-P-C-T. I forgot. All right, so we're going to end this episode on a spelling lesson, and the last lesson that you need to learn is to make sure that you call him doctor. The doctor. The doctor. Thank you so much for being on. Right. Thank you. Really appreciate Thank it. you, Tony. Doctor. Thank you, doctor. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. Hello. My name is, is, is.